0: Hey everybody, we're talking to Greg Hill today. What an amazing guy. He's the president and CEO of Hill Entertainment Group and has one of the coolest jobs as an insider in the music business. He's a great friend of mine. You definitely don't want to miss our conversation. Welcome to The Last 10%. This podcast dives into
1: incredible conversations that will inspire you to finish well well. and finish finish strong. Your host, Dallas Burnett is the founder and CEO of Think, Move, Thrive, which exists to create cultures that others envy. His secret is learning from the best. Listen as Dallas's guests share their journeys and valuable advice on living in the last 10%. If you are a leader, a coach, a business owner, or someone looking to level up, you're in the right place. Remember, you can give 90% effort and make it a long way but it's finding out how to unlock that last 10% that makes all the difference in your life, your relationships, and your work. Now, here's Dallas.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Last 10%. I'm Dallas Burnett. I am in Thrive Studios. I am sitting in my 1905 Koch Brothers barber chair. And more importantly, I have with me a good friend, the CEO on Music Row. This is Mr. Greg Hill. Thanks for thanks for being with us today, Greg.
2: Absolutely, Dallas. It's great to be with you.
0: Now, this is just uh, this is an amazing it's an amazing story. So the last time we talked on the phone, you were actually in New York at LaGuardia and you were coming out of Fox and Friends because one of your artists was on the show. Tell us about that.
2: One of my clients, Rodney Atkinson, his wife Rose. They have a the duo is called Rod and Rose. Some amazing music they were working on over COVID and we decided to put out a project with it and Fox and friends had heard something and wanted them up there and just had a great time. Always fun to be in New York, maybe a little less so during COVID, but it's fun to sit there and the times, the good parts of the business when you feel lucky because you get to go and do things that you've always watched on TV or heard on the radio and get to be a part of is always a special time.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I was able to go after our conversation. actually looked up that segment. It was fantastic. He did a great job. Actually, they both did. It was a great song. I loved it. Loved it. Very good show. So, so now tell us a little backstory. So it's funny because when we talk, I learned something that I did not know, and that is when you were coming out of school early on, your first job was in music publishing. You just kind of were made for this. So tell us how did that happen, and tell us some about your career and your path forward. It was somewhat
2: of a happy accident, I guess you call it. I was always the kid who, songwriters, I played music in college. I didn't have the talent or the patience to do that. I found an opportunity to come to town and intern. And I decided if I was going to intern, I was going to be the first one there, the last one to leave. And if they wanted me to scrub a toilet, I'd get on my hands and knees with a toothbrush. And it did matter because I love the music. I love the songwriters. I love the songs and was able to uh, find a way to have these opportunities in music publishing and I absolutely loved it. I guess my third job was with EMI Music Publishing, which was the largest music publisher in the world at the time and had a good little run with signing writers and getting songs recorded, being around the music every day.
0: And it's so cool to hear your passion about it and just how you just went all in. I love that. Tell anyone who's listening today, tell them about, cause a lot of people don't understand. They love hearing songs on the radio on Shopify or Apple music or, any of all the other platforms that we have, but a lot of people don't understand about the business behind music. Tell our listeners what music publishing is, like kind of the, what goes on in the back office.
2: To simplify it, they're songwriters. They're songwriters who write the songs. Sometimes the artists are involved in writing, sometimes they aren't. And the role of the publisher is to work with the writers, to work with the artists, to get the songs recorded and heard.
0: One of the things that you experienced in New York, part of the conversation that we had was kind of the elephant in the room, at least for the last year and a half, which has been COVID. And obviously, you know, the music industry was just absolutely turned upside down. I don't think that our listeners or anyone really understands outside of the music business the challenges that everyone in the music industry has been facing since COVID hit. So, Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges, maybe a before and after, like how things work as it relates to if I'm a singer and I'm going to go out and I'm an artist, I should say, if I'm an artist, I'm going to go out and perform. How has that changed before and after COVID?
2: It could not be more different. It has been a difficult time for the business. It's been a difficult time top to bottom when you are a business that relies on large gatherings of people to both introduce people to music. And to earn your living, it's gone away. You know, we started out two weeks to flatten the curve. And, you know, we were, I had just put together a big tour, signed the agreement with the largest promoter in the world the Wednesday before the world shut down on Friday. And you started the first thing we did, okay, let's cancel the next two weeks of shows. And and I can remember the conversations, hey, we'll be fine. By end of April, we're going to be fine. And then it became by May, we're going to be fine. Then end of June, we're going to be fine. And And you end up in a situation where it's not just artists, but it's bands, it's crews, it's bus drivers, it's the guy who climbs up into the rafters and hangs a light. You know, there was a conversation we have, and fortunately, um, there was some relief for a lot of the venues. The discussion was you know, if you have a show at an arena, that particular show between the person answering the phones at the bus company or the light company, the people taking tickets, the people selling merch, the people, you know, you are employing typically 500 to 1,000 people per show. The shows went away. So we've gotten into a place where it's been very difficult to navigate it. You know, all of a sudden, then things start changing. Just if anybody's traveled in the last year and a half and seen rental car prices, you realize that a lot of the rental car companies, my understanding is that they sold off significant parts of their fleets in order to maintain cash flow. Makes it different when you're traveling. And for us, the bus companies where we all do business with, they sold off 70 to 80% of their fleets to try to make it work. So you then all of a sudden a few dates do start coming back. And we were probably at 30% in 21. This year hopefully be a little better, but we're probably 23 or 24 before it truly normalizes. And you're dealing with a bus company that used to have 100 buses and now has 20. And it became very difficult logistically to try to figure things out. Or normally, if it's what we call a fly date and you fly to California and you've got to get to the show, normally you'd rent a couple of vans or a, an SUV or two to get band and crew over and those weren't available.
0: That's amazing. So even the bus drivers, I mean, that, no one thinks about that, but, but as hard as it is to get a rental car, but then you're talking about getting a, a bus and a bus driver and it's just been it's not like what happened could be turned back on and easily reset. Once it's gone, it's just like, it almost has to be recreated, regrown, and just takes so much time.
2: Absolutely. I was talking to a a dear friend of mine today who's been very successful in some uh, development businesses and some hedge fund businesses. And I told him, I said, look, if somebody had told me two years ago today that starting in March, income was going to be down 90% in 2020. I would have gone, you're crazy. I can't make And we've all figured out ways to kind of survive and go through. Now, we've lost a lot of people in the business. You know, one of the issues we have now is the unknowns as I'm looking to hire some people for some road jobs. Normally, you're able to go to them at this point in the year, say, look, we're going to do 90 to 100 shows this year. Here's what the pay is. Let's go ahead and enter a contract for a year. This year, the problem we're running into is going to them saying, guys, we're going to do somewhere between 40 and 90 shows this year. I have no idea how much most of them were saying, I can't afford to do that because I
0: don't have a guarantee. Wow. And how do you give a guarantee? Cause there's none right now. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Gosh, that's so difficult. And what I've noticed and what some of uh, friends of mine had, we had concerts back to back in the same venue and the protocols were different depending on the artist. So one, you know, concert had one COVID protocol, the next concert at the same venue had another. How does that work right now in the music business? So how are they, who is essentially the one that determines those protocols when there's a show that goes on the road?
2: It varies. Some of it's a municipality or state. Some of it is the venue and some of it's the artist. You know, one of the things I had all my artists stop doing on on the shows that we do play, which are fewer now, we haven't done what we call meet and greets where the artist goes and meets people in almost two years. Because you don't want to be in a position and no matter what your stance is, you don't want to be in a position where there's a super spreader event and here's a picture of the artist with his arms around somebody.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is not good PR. And not only that, but if the artist was to you know, contract COVID and then is out for you know, a certain number of days after that for any shows that they're doing. So that just makes everything more difficult. So
2: We ran into some interesting conundrums with that. I can't remember if I shared with you or not with some TV shows you know, on some of the award shows and things that have been done to various degrees of success during the madness that's been the pandemic. You have an artist, well, the union rules, they were pushing for not only vaccination, but also testing every time somebody walked on set. We've had artists refuse to be tested because even if they're fully vaccinated, if there is a false positive, they have to cancel two weeks of shows, which can mean millions of dollars.
0: I didn't even think about that. That's amazing. So they wouldn't take the test just by chance if they had a false positive, even if they were vaccinated. They didn't want to have the chance of missing all the shows. So how does the award ceremony handle I mean, this could be an artist that's going to win, going to win an award. I don't know. How do they handle that?
2: It's been case by case. and You've seen a lot of artists not appear on some of these shows because of it. And, you know, in general, the shows have not been as exciting and the ratings have been down you have a population that's it's not quite as exciting watching a bunch of people in a sterile room.
0: Let's talk about this and this is getting into, you know, more of what's hopefully coming in 2023 and 24, which is return to some normalcy in the music business. What advice would you give? Because I know a lot of listeners are, you know, big fans of music, but what advice would you give to people either advice or insights to someone either looking at getting in the music business, and or what it takes to make it in the music business?
2: I think one of the biggest things is to remember that you have to be all in. That's really true of everything, in my opinion. If you're going to do it, you have to be all in. You don't have to have a backup plan is not going to serve you well in a dream
0: business. That sound means it's time to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. If you lead an organization or team, one of the biggest challenges you face is developing your people. ThinkMove Thrive is here to help you on your journey. We've developed a coaching system that integrates into your team or organization to consistently develop your employees, build trust, gain valuable feedback, and increase accountability. Leadership retreats and summits are great. We even build those custom for our clients but they're only part of the solution because they lack consistency. Our one-on-one coaching app is the missing piece in your employee development program. We help new leaders get to know their teams. We help technical managers be more relational, and we help ensure that your relational rock stars stay organized. We developed the system for a client, and it was so successful. We created the app to help more organizations develop their people, build trust, engagement, and you guessed it, performance. For more information, go to thinkmovethrive.com to learn more about the one-on-one coaching system and start developing your team today. Back to the show. I agree with that. This is coming from the guy who said, as an intern, I will mop the floors, it doesn't matter. (laughs) No, I love it. I knew Lee Bryce back in the day, and I would say that's exactly the way he approached it. There was no backup plan. He just was up and that was it. So when he moved to Nashville, that was, it's burn the ships, man. Let's go. He's done really well too. So that's interesting. So if you were to say some of the attributes of the artists that you most respect that are currently doing well, and, and not only music, but in life, because I know there's music is one facet, but what are the artists that you respect as people and outside of the music business? What are some of the things that they're doing well? What are they doing that's different than some of the other artists that may be great artists, but the rest of their life may not be in great shape?
2: It's hard. And I think the challenge of COVID for an artist is it's not unlike a guy that travels five days a week for work. They were used to being out there. You know, I had uh, one artist who I love dearly who we were talking one time. He said, man, he said, the weirdest thing about COVID, when I'm on the road, I need a toothbrush. Somebody goes and gets me a toothbrush. He said, when I want water, somebody gets me water. Man, the last year I've had to do all that crap myself. I had not had to do that in years. And it's an interesting thing that you hadn't thought about.
0: It's just another level of things that were affected and are not reset automatically. You know, and uh, that's fascinating. Tell us about the W.O. Smith Music School.
2: It's a school here in Nashville that was started quite a few years ago to provide music lessons for underprivileged kids. We went up a couple of years ago, we went from $0.25 a lesson to $0.50 a lesson. It's incredible. I've gotten very involved with an event I put on Music City Gives Back. We made them the beneficiary several years ago because we saw the work that they do. We saw the tangible difference they make in people's lives. And you know, as music education, music saved me from whatever else I would have become. And watching these kids that didn't have the same opportunities that I do get music lessons. Once again, we're in Nashville with some of the best musicians in the world. And a lot of these guys come in and teach lessons for free. We do over 500 music lessons a week. It's been a challenge during COVID because we had to go largely online. And Joan, our executive director won't always brag on himself, but I will, that we have, if a kid gets involved in seventh or eighth grade and remains involved with music lessons, we have a 100% high school graduation rate where for the population that we serve, that rate is typically probably maybe 60%.
0: Oh, wow.
2: It is run. It is the most efficiently and best run charity with the greatest outcome I've ever seen, which is why i become so passionate about it, because we're making differences. And now it's some of the teachers. I mean, we have a kids at Berkeley. We have kids that have gone to college on music scholarships because they had an opportunity to get music lessons in a place that they never could have afforded on their own. And they stay engaged. And now we have second and third generation teachers coming back and teaching other kids.
0: And that's incredible. And, I, you know, it was on their website and it is amazing. There's like, it's not just a few volunteers, it's hundreds of volunteers doing music lessons. It looks like everybody's having fun and, and really engaging. And these kids are young, but they're really getting into the music. And, and it's, not just, it's not just a handful of instruments. We're talking about, I don't know.
2: Pretty much, we actually just got it right before the pandemic struck. We actually got a whole bunch of uh, steel drums, which we've had to kind of wait on that programming. But it is dealing with a very at-risk part of the population that would never have access, that we're able to tangibly give these kids an opportunity and an outlet creatively to grow and to learn and to study and to do something they love in a very productive way, and it makes a tangible
0: difference. Man, that's awesome. Honestly, it's also said that some of the graduates of the program have actually played with, you know, some artists, been professional musicians, and they've made it through. And like you said, there at Berkeley, so this is a, a fantastic. And and what better place to get music lessons than Nashville, Tennessee? Man, you
2: can't save everybody, but the program that Jonah has developed and the W. O. Smith School has developed can save some, which is all you can hope for.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. You do what you can, you know, where you can do it. And uh, so how long have you been involved with that?
2: We made, probably eight or nine years ago, made them uh, the beneficiary of Music City Gives Back and really started getting involved then. Initially, I think we had the Red Cross and some other organizations we donated to. It was frustrated, wanted to find an organization that made a very real difference, whose numbers were very positive. There wasn't, a situation where there was, you know, it took three million dollars a year to run a business that should cost less. The numbers—I'm astounded every time I'm on a call. I'm on the board now, and the vice president gotten very involved because I not only do I believe in the mission, but I believe that bang for the buck—it is the what we deliver on the amount of money we operate off of—is astounding.
0: Yeah, and this is only like just a handful of volunteer. And there's volunteers in the music. There's hundreds of volunteers to teach, but the actual paid staff is only a handful. There are three people. Oh, three people. And they're doing all that work. Hundreds of volunteers and lessons, and it's all being managed by three people. They must be three amazing people for sure.
2: Oh, they really are. And, and watching the difference in these kids' lives is just something. I have never seen something this efficient at giving back.
0: It's such a cool opportunity too. And it's just so Nashville, you know, like it's just like the character of the city is taking what it does really well and then pairing that with the need. That is just a cool, that's the coolest thing. I love that. I love that. Tell us about, you've had an amazing career, you know, and you've talked about some of that. You were very modest in your approach, but you have an amazing career. Tell us about kind of your philosophy as you've moved. Cause you know, there was one of the things in here we had on the pre-show notes is you made a point of saying that you remember that it's not all about you, and that's just interesting because I think most people when they think of the music business, they're they're seeing the artist and the artist is you know marketing that persona, that product, the songs, those types of things. But you're in the business and you're saying that your career success has been large in part due to your remembering it's not about you. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, I think you know it, it's easy. You live in a the music business, it's, it's a world where there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. You know, it's a, what's the old saying? Comparison is a thief of joy. And there's a lot of comparison. You know, you look, well, what's this guy doing? What's that guy doing? And uh, one of my favorite quotes ever in the music business, Kenny Rogers, I heard him say one time, hey, it's not how much money you can make in a month, it's how many months you can make money. And as you look at the music business, so many people are hyper-focused on doing it right now, not looking at the long-term, not looking at the how does it play to somebody. You know, I don't want to have a great year. I want to have a great career. And understanding that there's luck and timing involved in the music business. In anything, luck and timing comes in. You have to put yourself in the right positions and hopefully make the right decisions. And, and hopefully you get lucky enough that you have a real shot at things.
0: That's awesome. Now, as you look back over your career, what's one of the capstone or greatest or fondest memories that you've had? Like, man, I'm really glad I got to be a part of this or, uh, you know, signed this artist. Or do you have anything that stands out that was just like that was a special moment, kind of like some of your mountaintops?
2: And a lot of times it's any time having a meaningful record that reaches people is incredible. It truly is absolutely incredible. Having a song that becomes an impactful song, the most played song of the year, watching somebody win an award. When you're the kid who grew up in Athens, Georgia, loving country music. And sometimes you have to have a do a little reality check internally and adjust your attitude. Because I get to do things on a daily basis that I would have given up body parts for as a 15-year-old kid in Athens, Georgia.
0: <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Very cool. And speaking of Athens, congratulations, you know, I figured that uh, that was one game you you would not miss in your schedule, even as busy as your schedule is. That's one game that you wouldn't miss. So congratulations. I went up there and had a big time. It was great. Well, lastly, I just kind of wanted to, you know, talk through mindset and again, kind of go back because our listeners are very interested in you know, what it takes to finish well and finish strong. So if you were to offer advice of people you admire who finish well and finish strong, as it relates even to the music business, what would you offer as advice?
2: Yeah, I had a mentor and a boss when I was at EMI. He went on to become chairman of Sony Music. I remember there was this little personality test going around. And he's one of my dearest friends. I, I love the man to this day, and we still get together now that he's retired. It was odd because through this 30 or 35 question personality test, I was probably 27 at the time. We answered every single question identically, except for one. And the one question was, Would you rather be right or would you rather be fair? And I said, I'd rather be right. He said, I'd rather be fair. And I went, and I said, Gary, tell me, why would you rather be fair? You'd rather be right. Show him that you're right. He said, Greg. You know, if by the time you're my age, and he was probably 15, 16 years older than me, he said, if you, by the time you're my age, do not answer, you'd rather be fair than right than I've failed. And I think that's important. I think it's, that's important. I think Gene Stallings, I've done some work with some football coaches. Gene Stallings, a great Alabama football coach who won a national championship way back, way before Georgia won their most recent one, of course. He told me one time, he said, it's very important to him to figure out, if you can't make the hard decisions, you don't need to be coaching. Two, if you listen to the stands all the time, you're going to be in the stands next year. Finding those moments where you are trying to do the right thing. You can't always do the right thing, but also putting in perspective, one thing I learned a few years ago, I had an employee that I absolutely loved. And she'd been with me a while. And I kind of hired around her. And I knew She wasn't getting it done. She wasn't going to go, but I liked her. I didn't want to ruin her life by letting her go. And what I learned in the end was that I made a mistake. I wasted three years of her life by not telling her right then, hey, this isn't going to work.
0: Just allowing her the opportunity to move on to something that she could do better, had the capability or the passion to do uh, more than what she was doing. Absolutely. The necessary ending. It's a great example. Well, I think that's fantastic. I think that's great advice. Uh, I love the be fair. If I haven't got you to be fair yet, then I've failed. That's intense, man. How did you respond when he said that to you? Like, what? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I disagreed with him because you were right.
2: (laughs) I was right, damn it. I, I had to show him what that was. But now, as I've gotten older and gone through it, I've realized he was absolutely correct.
0: Thank you for spending some time with me this evening going through your story. I love talking to you about the business of music and all your experiences. And we actually uh, crossed paths several years ago. I miss deeply coming to uh, Nashville. It's been several years since I've been there and um, I'm sure it's changed a lot. I'm here and it's growing, but I'd love to get back to the Bluebird Cafe sometime because that place is just, it's awesome. Absolutely. Well, come on up and visit. I'm going to do one last thing. We do a segment at the very end and uh this is this is just for fun right so this is what we do It's called the cheese please challenge and these are a couple of the worst dad joke laffy taffies whatever you've ever heard but they're related to music and so i'm going to give you a shot at two of them we'll ask you i'm gonna ask you each one we'll see if you can get these these are curated from the archives of greatness here but they're music related so you got it we we believe it's uh not enough cheese in the world. We need a little bit more. People need to take themselves just a little less seriously, and so uh, so this is our attempt at it. So all right, so are you ready? Why did the pianist keep banging his head against the keys?
2: I have no idea.
0: Well, he was playing by ear. <laughs> 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 oh, so bad, so bad. All right, last one and last one, then we'll, we'll let you go. Say, so what do you call a singing laptop? It's called Adele. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, thank you, Greg, for being on and think about it too. Cause if there's anybody that you'd like to see on or hear on the uh, last 10%, I'd love to know. And we always like to, to throw it out at guests to see if there's somebody else that they would like to, uh, to see on the show. And it can be anybody. It can be somebody that's uh, well-known somebody that's not well-known, but we just uh, throw that out there. So if you have anybody, Let me know who you'd like to have on the show and we'll go and and get them.
2: Well, Dallas, thank you. And thanks for the time. If you have any follow-ups, just let me know.
0: All right. Thanks, Greg. Have a good evening. All right. You too. Thanks for joining us today on The Last
1: 10%. We hope you found today's content engaging and encouraging. Remember to subscribe to the podcast to hear the latest episodes and help us out by rating and reviewing us so others will join our community. We release new episodes every other Tuesday. This podcast can be found globally in any podcasting app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Subscribe today. Plus, visit our website, join our email list, and discover resources and info for your business and team at thinkmovethrive.com. Thanks again for listening to The Last 10%.